Blog Talk Radio.
Praise God. Praise God, everybody. Welcome to Reaching Out Radio International. For We're kicking off tonight a special program that God left me and my beautiful sister, Susan Brozak, in Hope and Healing. And we're going to be addressing a topic tonight that many don't like to talk about. And that's what this program is about, is about reaching out to people to offer hope and healing through Susan's professional aspect on things. She's an amazing woman of God, as well as a gifted Christian psychotherapist. And I want to apologize to our listeners. Um, I got ready to go on my studio. It's never happened to me before. I already had the episode uploaded days back. And my whole broadcast for tonight was gone. I had 10 minutes to get it together. Praise God, I had everything saved, so I was able to get it back up. I am working on the show info, but I welcome you on tonight, and I'm hoping my beautiful sister, Susan, can you hear me? Susan? Susan, can you hear me? Okay, we seem to be having technical difficulties tonight. I'm praying that I can get her on here, and let me try this. Susan, can you hear me? Me brothers and sisters. Okay, I'm having technical difficulties, so Father God, right now, Please, Father God, just lift up this broadcast, Lord God. I just ask, Lord, that you just cancel out any plans of the enemies. And I'm going to try to reconnect a different way. I don't know if it's the Internet tonight or what it is. So I'm just asking, God, that you just cancel out the plans of the enemy. Let the show go forth in the name of Jesus. And I'm trusting I'm going to get Susan on here. And I'm just trusting, God, that we can get this program going because this is a is a prog- program that needs to be shared tonight it's something dear to our hearts I personally myself have went through having physical ab- abuse in my own life so what I'm going to do is as I say where there is a will there is a way and I'm going to try to get us connected in another way so please everyone just bear with me while I'm trying to do this and Everything happens for a purpose, so I'm going to put another. Um, I'm going to put a another song on, and then we're going to go from there. And um, Susan, you could go ahead and try to hang up and call back in. I think we got a bad connection, and we'll trust God to get you back on. So, um, just bear with me. We're going to put on a song, and it's titled "He Hears My Heart." And then I'm going to try to get these technical difficulties ironed out. We're just trusting you in this night for God. When your mind is filled with things you don't know how to say out loud to say out loud Just how 
sure what's going on with this tonight um, I'm trying to get it figured out I don't know if I'm having trouble getting Susan connected in or if it's just within the broadcaster tonight and this is a, a powerful powerful broadcast tonight Susan can you hear me I'm gonna try something else Susan can you hear me My co-host in. I do apologize sometimes on the server's end. We have these problems and I'm not sure what's going on here. Susan, can you hear me? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get my husband's phone and see if I can get through that way and use his mic. So just bear with me, everyone, and I will be right back. Susan, can you hear me? It's technical difficulties. Hello? Hello? I don't know if it's... Susan, can you hear me? Susan, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Thank goodness. Okay, let me try on the headset now, too. I apologize to everybody. Let me try. Okay, hold on one minute, everyone, please. Can you still hear me, Susan? I can hear you. (laughs) Thank goodness. I apologize. You can hang that up. Yeah, hang that up. Um, I apologize to everyone. As I said, um, many times it's not on our end. Um, 
Like I pay to have service on sometimes it's technical difficulties. That's why I played the song. I'll have to go back and edit later. I tell you, the enemy must be really mad about this broadcast tonight. I got on to go in my studio. My broadcast was completely gone, deleted. I don't know how it happened. If something happened with the server. So I had, that's why there's not a huge description tonight. Right now I'll go back in and edit everything. I do apologize to everyone. But uh, I know God's got plans for this, and that's why you heard the music playing. Susan, I was doing everything I could to connect this, so <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna keep on it's going, right. and, and we're trusting God. And uh, everything happens for a reason in the season. We all know that. So, hello, mm-hmm. my beautiful sister. <laughs> but you know, I had a choice in the in the matter. I could have just canceled it, rescheduled it. But I just kept praying, and I persevered, praise God. And (laughs) the slideshow is plain. You can see the pictures and stuff. But I will go back later and put um, all the description in there. And, Susan, like, if you share with people, it made a new link. So when they want to go back and listen on demand, um, I did share that with you. But, um, again, everyone, (laughs) I got (laughs) to laugh about it and say Satan is a liar. Um, I had a nice little visit. My niece had me over for a small meal tonight because we're not going around a bunch of family uh, with all the COVID. So my niece just had me over tonight uh, for a little bit, and I had a beautiful visit with her and my great nieces. And uh, the enemy's just mad because God put this program on Susan and I's heart. And mm-hmm. we actually are doing this monthly now. Susan and I, from the beginning, we had an amazing connection as sisters in Christ, and we worked together so well. We have the same heart for Jesus. We're both about just reaching out, helping others to heal, but most of all, to know about the love of Jesus Christ. And we've done interviews. I've had Susan on for interviews. That's how we first originally met, but... uh, Susan and I, like I said, connected. We've become family. We've done television together, and we had an amazing time with that. We served our season with that TV network. I believe, again, one day that we will um, do TV again, but just a different avenue. But this is our newest adventure, and we both prayed about it, and we really, truly felt that this was God-ordained for us to do this Mm -hmm. program. We're going to be on once a month. And we're just going to be sharing about topics that God puts on Susan and I's heart together. We always, we always confirm with each other and pray about it to get God's yes. But as I was saying Mm -hmm. in the beginning, before all the technical difficulties started, (laughs) um, (laughs) a lot of people don't want to address these type of topics, even as children of God, many of them, many people is embarrassed to talk about sex, uh, homosexuality, drugs, like, the harder topics that people don't want to address, those are things that Susan and I are going to address, but we're going to be doing it in a different perspective, not to condemn people or to be coming against people, but for exactly what our title says for hope and healing from tonight is from mental and physical abuse. And Susan's really been doing Mm -hmm. some in-depth studying on this and uh, we are going to let the Holy Spirit lead. I'm going to have Susan kick us off with some prayer as well here in just a minute because I love her prayers. Um, 
But just just understand tonight, everyone, that this isn't, as I said again, for us to condemn people, to make anybody feel bad. We will share truth, and we will address what these situations um, can do in a person's life. I personally, myself, mm-hmm. have been a victim of physical and mental abuse, so I personally can relate to this, and I know what it can do to a person in general, because there are men that are out there that get abused as well as women. So we'll talk about some of those things. But Susan, if you please would, will you lead us off with another prayer? And we're just going to let go and let God. And I'm so glad I finally got connected to you. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, glory. Yes, let's go ahead and go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for um, yes, the God. ability um, that we have now to go forward with this broadcast that you have prepared both of our hearts for, Lord, for a several weeks now, Lord, and we thank you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, Lord. We thank you for paving the way, even in the midst of the uh, challenges technologically, Lord God. You are greater. We give you all praise, honor, and glory for that. And I just pray for everyone listening right now, um, those who may have been involved in a situation where they've experienced physical abuse, mental abuse, psychological abuse, there's even spiritual abuse. Um, and if there's been domestic or what's now called uh, intimate partner violence, Lord, I just pray for all of those people, Lord, that they would know they have hope and value and worth and answers. And we just pray that this broadcast could just be a small part of um, raising their hopes, Lord, that they can uh, move forward and regain their life, essentially, and heal, heal from the trauma bonds, heal from the uh, the words that can't be unspoken, uh, heal from um, the physical wounds that may have been inflicted, Lord, and just pray for each person listening that your comforting arms would be around them, Lord God, and that they would know, Lord God, that they can turn to you. You are their protector, Lord. You are their vindicator. You're their redeemer, restorer. And so, Lord, I pray for you to intervene in each situation tonight for each specific listener if they're going through this or if they're listening on behalf of a loved one and want to learn more about how to come alongside someone who is suffering um, or there may be the case even where there has been abuse uh, by by some of the people listening and I just pray that Lord you would uh, use this broadcast for your fullest for uh, everyone who is with us tonight and may you receive all the glory we ask all these things in your glorious and holy name amen And something I want to share with our listeners, because I believe we have some new ones as well tonight, Susan. I myself, um, I myself share like on a biblical perspective or personal. And Susan is actually very well educated. She is a professional licensed Christian psychotherapist. So that's what I want people to understand when we're doing these programs. It's not just Susan coming on or us just throwing stuff out there. Susan is very experienced and great at what she does. And I've been serving the Lord for many years and Susan as well. We are both devoted women of God. And um, so I just want to let people know. And Susan, if you wanted, it would take just a moment and tell people about Mm -hmm. your practice and how long you've been doing this. Because as I said, we have some new listeners tonight and I, I just really feel like it's important for people to know it's not just two people on here babbling. Susan is a professional, very, very (laughs) gifted at what she does. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'll, I'll make it real quick. Um, I am the founder and director of Healing Word Psychotherapy Services. I've been doing this 23 years, and I um, it's my honor. It's always my honor, my privilege to work with each person that the Lord sends my way. Um, I will tell you that uh, probably 40 to 50 percent um, of the people that come in to see me have been abused in one form or another. I'm not saying they've all been physically abused, but there are many different aspects to abuse, even sexual. And so this has been something that's been um, an issue that I've worked with for, for 23 years and really helping people, um, you know, for God's glory, using scripture, using sound psychological principles, but always going to God's word to help them uh, and give them hope. And so um, aside from that, um, I try to do a lot of outreaches from my practice, including uh, authoring books, uh, this broadcast, and um, speaking engagements. But uh, my heart is for the hurting, and that's always been my heart and always will be. So thank you, Montel. And that is so true about you. You do have a heart for the hurting. And and Susan also has a program um, She's on, well, now that we're doing this one, it'll be once a month for that, but the way of healing. And she does such a beautiful job teaching that as well. And she touches on some really important matters, things going on in this world today, things like our fear and anxiety, depression. We've talked about mm-hmm. suicide. So we just really, truly want to offer people some hope, some healing, but also offer them some professional tools that Susan has in the way that she teaches. And she does it in a way that it's easy to understand. She doesn't use the great big humongous words like many don't can't relate to that. So she keeps it All simplified, right. but you can truly understand it. So I appreciate that. But tonight I oh, want to get started yeah. t- talking even from myself because I truly believe in taking the Band-Aids off. And as a child of God, our testimonies, or what God can use us to encourage others and show what he is able to do. Um, but from a very early age, I went through some abuse. And starting about the age of 17, my dad, who I love very much, um, was put on a bunch of medications, and it caused my dad to have some very they – over, they over-medicated him, and that's where it started at. They uh, – it made my dad – basically go crazy and he started abusing me very badly physically and mentally my dad to this day don't even remember if you would tell him about it he truly don't remember it but I went through a lot of abuse from my dad and my first I I left home my dad wanted me gone and um, a lot of people don't know this but God really truly led me tonight just to keep it real and share it my dad um, signed for me to get married at the age of 17 to an older guy to get me out of his household. And from going wow. from the abuse, wow. yeah, going from the abuse from my dad's household, I went into another situation that was worse. Um, I went through physical oh abuse, mental abuse um, to the man that I was married to. And uh, it got to the point one night, Susan, where he actually put a pillow over my face. He was a heavier guy. He had his knees in my chest. He was suffocating me. I was on my last breath, and I was praying, and a knock came to the door, and it was a gas man, and God sent that man. Like, I may get emotional in some of this because this has truly been Mm -hmm. things I've overcome and where I've been, but had that guy not come to the door, I wouldn't be here. 
And I stayed in that wow. abusive situation for a while. I was young. I was scared. My dad didn't want me back at the house. I didn't want to cause my mom conflict. She was my best friend. My dad wasn't really responsible at the time. Like he, it just, for some reason, it all came towards me. And I think that was part of the devil's plan too. Cause from an early age, I've been serving God. I've always loved the Lord. I always felt a call in my life. My brother and sister mm-hmm. aren't quite the same in that area. My sister and brother love the Lord, but we're, we're totally different in that area. I'm surrendered. I truly serve. And it spiraled out of control. And this is something I was going to ask you about, Susan, because I'm sure it's common. But I noticed I would get out of a bad relationship and I kept going back to the same pattern. I kept going back right. to physical abusive men. And I didn't understand mm-hmm. it. And I was praying. There was even a time it got so bad, it made me mentally sick. I I actually developed an eating disorder from it, Susan. That's the impact wow. it had on my wow. life. I got down to like a hundred a mm-hmm. hundred pounds and I looked in the mm-hmm. mirror and I told God, I don't like who this person is anymore. I don't want to be this person anymore. God help me. And I, mm-hmm. I put, started playing a Christian radio station. I really, truly, Susan, did not know the person in the mirror. And I finally went to counseling. And she told me that what it was, I was longing for this relationship with my dad that I wanted so bad that I was replacing the things he did in my life. I was going to the same type of men as he was being in that moment where I really wanted him in my life. So she helped me to break away from that pattern. But I'm talking every person I dated Mm -hmm. after I got out of that bad marriage, I've had my ribs broken. I've had someone try to run me over by a car. I was beaten one night Mm -hmm. in a house. He would beat on me. I would get away to run to my parents. He would pick me up over his shoulders and take me back. He slammed me, like, my ribs into uh, the older type couches that have, like, the wooden knobs. Like, he he busted Mm -hmm. my ribs. I still have problems today. And I don't talk to many people about these things. But God truly put it on my heart tonight. I have no Mm -hmm. reason to have shame because God healed me. He delivered me. He set me free. And I I just want to be a voice to tell people that many times when you're in an abusive relationship, they make you feel guilty. They make you feel like you deserve what you're going through. Are they put right, like many right. times we see people and we want to say, Hey, why is that person staying in that relationship? Why are they going through that? Because they install fear in you. And I even went through abusive. I like, I had one that was so bad. He found out I did an in-home care job for the elderly. I've done that most of my life. He found out who my clients were. He stalked me. I mean, I've been through mm-hmm. some really serious things and it's only by the grace of God that I am still here today. Mm-hmm. And I thank God for my husband. I have mm-hmm. now because he he's comforting to me in those aspects. He has understanding. He doesn't judge me in those things. And, of course, we've had our own issues. Being married, no couple's perfect. We're men and women are completely different creatures for sure. But it's good <laughs> to talk. <laughs> it is really important to talk to the person. Like if you're really in a committed relationship or even thinking about, you know, getting involved and you've been through these kind of things, there are times mm-hmm. once in a while that I'll have a flashback or something to pop up, but I know to pray and not let the enemy use it against me. So that was one of the first right. things I was going to talk to you about 
and addressing mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. helping people to understand from a professional perspective how women or men, because we're not just addressing saying men's the only one that abuse our it, it goes right. both ways. But is that not right. a common thing for you to see? Um, like an abuser will many times make you feel like fear or trapped where you can't get out. They also like to make you feel guilty in the situation. And that greatly impacted yes. my life. It, it took me years to break away from this cycle. I praise God that I did, but that's one reason tonight myself, I wanted to talk about this because I have been there. I know the pain. I know the realness of it. And like I said, only by God's mm-hmm. grace, I'm here. So that would be one of the first areas I'd like to talk about, Susan. Is that something common that you do see in people that go through mental and physical abuse? Yes, 100%. And actually, even just to circle back to something that you brought up just a couple minutes ago, um, you mentioned that you kept seeking out that same familiar pattern. And I can tell you that um, if I had you know, a, a dime for every hurt. Every time I heard that, this is so common and people do seek out, even though it's to their own detriment and it's to their own harm. People tend to be creatures of habit, even when those habits are destructive and, and they do seek out the familiar and the predictable and the dependable, even when um, it's, it's, it's unhealthy. And if, without getting real deep into the psychological piece of that, Um, What I can say, since the abuse originated with your father, is that um, on a subconscious level, bear with um, the person who's been abused by a parent wants to um, sort of recreate the situation, but recreate it in a way that they can then make it right, where they can right the wrong. So you, you continue to project your dad onto these men that you dated, hoping, this is subconscious, remember, hoping that one time you'd get it right and you'd get a guy who would not treat you like that. This is a subconscious process that I'm describing here, and um, it's called projection. So that's another element that, you know, can go pretty deep and um, involve some really deep inner healing from the trauma that, that occurs from doing that. But basically, you were projecting your dad onto the men you dated with the subconscious hope that things would get better and you could reverse it. The problem is that never works. So kind of coming up to to speed in terms of the ramifications and what you go through suffering, I mean, not to mention from the physical, you know, elements, which can cause bodily injury and um, violence and everything that that can cause, Um, you know, an abuser's access to firearms increases the risk of harm, and that's a whole other topic in and of itself right now. But um, what we call in my field intimate partner violence is most common amongst women between the ages of 18 and 24. Um, so, you know, I would your dad was not an intimate partner, but in the fact that he was your father, you were in the same family in that sense, and then you sought out intimate partners that replicated the same situation that you ran from, because that's how that's how powerful the subconscious mind is. But it's not too powerful for God to heal. He can go into the deep recesses. That's why David says in Psalm, "Search my heart, O God, see if there be any wicked way in me." We can't know our own hearts our own hearts deceive us. So this is where it's so important to really pray about 
the roots of when we see a, a behavior that's unhealthy that continues to be repeated and we're not understanding why we need to go to the Lord or go to someone that, that works, you know, in, in a Christian format to get at the root of that. So you continue to put yourself in that position. And also with each time that you did so, your self-esteem would get worn down even further. Your self-worth would get worn down. Like you said, you developed an eating disorder, which um, essentially is, is a way to self-destruct and to, to not show love towards yourself. Um, there is humiliation that can happen when you're the victim. Um, you can be controlled, uh, feel like you can't do anything without the permission of your partner. Um, the partner, the, um, the abuser, I'm sorry, will often um, do something to embarrass you publicly, humiliate you publicly, deny you access to money, withhold information, like you mentioned, stalking. Um, and even this new term that's that's hitting uh, even on the media now, something called gaslighting, which is basically denying that what you feel is real. So you might try to express something and uh, an abuser might say, no, no, you're crazy. The opposite of that is true to make you to make you doubt yourself. If you can doubt yourself enough and stay off kilter enough, you're more easily controlled. So there's a lot of pretty what we call high mock, which means high-level manipulation tools that um, that abusers use on victims. So I'm not sure if that answered your question, Montel, or if you want me to um, – keep going in terms of ramifications of abuse? Well, see, I can relate to some of that myself because, like, I forgive him, my dad, and my dad truly, like, he would get mad if my mom would even bring it up, but he truly didn't remember a lot of it. But as you're talking about that, some of the things you were talking about, I can remember, like, out of my brother and sister, and I don't mean it boastful thing, but I was the I was the good kid. Like I was striving in school. I was in swing choir. I went to church. I wasn't running the streets. But for some reason, I don't know yeah. if it's because I was the eldest, he just brought it all towards me. And I can remember wow. one time when you were yeah. talking about how they like to embarrass you in public. My dad came right. into my right. favorite place to go, roller skating. And he literally grabbed yeah. me out in front of a packed skate rink in front of all my high school friends because he didn't like my friends. He grabbed me he grabbed me by the head of the hair and pulled me out of the skating rink. And like I said at the time, yeah. my dad wasn't mentally responsible, but I truly believe some of it was a spiritual thing as well. But it's all been a part of my journey in life, and God has healed me, and I love my dad dearly, and he truly has no memory of any of those things that happened. And that's what it was. They literally had my dad chemically imbalanced, Susan. But I wanted to mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. ask you, because I and know, you know what, if, if I could just, add, if I could add one thing to that, I completely understand what you're saying, that your dad didn't seem to have control over his actions. Um, but don't minimize the impact that they had on you, because it still traumatized you, whether he was in a, his right mind or not, you were the one that, you know, experienced that humiliation. And I know the Lord has healed you of that, but I guess that's not just for you. That's for anybody listening where they might say, well, yes, but my, my parents or my significant other or whatever 
isn't in their right mind half the time, or maybe they're using alcohol, drugs, other um, mind-altering substances. And then what ends up happening in situations like that is it's almost like they get a free pass. Well, so-and-so wasn't in their right mind, so I know that they didn't really mean what they said. And, and that creates a codependency, which is a whole other issue. So the, the pain is real whether the abuser um, was in their right mind or not. The fact of the matter is is that, you know, people still will get hurt and wounded and to not pass it off as, oh, that's just how they are when they drink or that's just how they are when they forget to take their meds. So I just wanted to make that point real quick. I really appreciate that too, Susan. And the other thing I was going to ask you too, is it common for someone where you're in an abusive relationship for them to make you feel like it's your fault, that that you deserve this? Like I know like in situations I was in, I, I was always made to feel guilty. I would really start believing, hey, for some reason I deserve this. And sometimes when I would think mm-hmm. back or, or I would experience it, but when I really look at what I'm doing, I'm not doing anything to deserve it. But at times I would find myself in that mindset, Susan, thinking, well, apparently I do, or why is this happening to me? And then I would find myself saying, what do I do to deserve this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's nothing more than, you know, really high level manipulation on the part of the abuser. <laughs> they have learned how to put you down and humiliate you to such an extent that you believe their lies. Um, you believe that it is your fault. You'll get some kind of flowery ex- explanation such as, well, if you wouldn't have done such and such, you would not have made me hit you or you would not have caused this situation to come to pass. It's they can't own or they won't own. I'm going to say they won't own their own responsibility for it. So the the only way to move that away from themselves is to blame it on the victim. It seems like victim blaming and shaming is, you know, 99% of their game because if they can get you feeling so low about yourself, feeling guilty for something you never even done, um, you know, they can cause severe psychological damage and some of that can be subtle and can come out later in life you might not realize at the time the trauma that you're going through but if unless it gets processed you might find that you know it it comes out later in life in different ways that you wouldn't have um, expected a lot of abusers will convince the victim that he or she is crazy Um, you touched on I think you touched on Stockholm syndrome before I, I can't recall if you did or not but that's Um, That's a situation where an abuser actually has so much power and control because what they want is power and control, has so much power and control over a victim that the victim actually convinces, even though they may be free to leave the situation after being kidnapped or abducted, um, there's so much power wielded over them that they have convinced themselves that it's better that they stay in that situation than to go out into the world, which is scary and unfamiliar and unpredictable and try to live independently again. So this just tells you how severe some of this stuff can get and how much it can play with your mind. The the mind control here is off the charts. And mind control is the the weapon that um, most abusers use on their victims of any kind. That helps me to bring things into perspective better because going through it myself 
because I was always a strong woman of faith, even or even a strong, because my mom and my grandma were both amazing women of God. I was brought up in a really faith-based home. And mm-hmm. when I sit and think back to that, and something I found out even now, like every once in a while, like God has healed me, but you don't forget, like I still have memories of different things, but there's things I sure. also realize it's like I blocked out of my mind. But then sometimes it's like just out of nowhere, something can trigger it and it'll come up. I won't even be thinking about nothing. Or mm-hmm. I'll tell my right. husband, right. when we first got together, we've been together 16 years. And I, one of the things I found myself wanting to do, Susan, was defend myself. Like if I felt I was in a place mm-hmm. where I was threatened or maybe right. the voice would get louder, I would find myself wanting to defend myself. And my husband's like, wow, what, you know, what's going on? And then I really, truly had mm-hmm. to just, I had to open up and share with my husband, you know, hey, this is what, you know, I've been through and this is why I react that way. And um, right, like I said, right. I'm going to keep it real with you, but I will tell you the one guy that literally, he beat me senselessly over an hour and a half. I would get away and then I would, I would get so close to my mom and dad's and I was getting so tired. He would pick me up like a sack of potatoes and throw me over his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Well, I did get out of that situation and that was the last time I was in an abusive situation. But, um, when he Thank came God. back, he came back, Susan, to hurt me. And I'm not, I won't say that I'm proud of this, but at the same time, I was tired of showing fear to that, to that individual because they feed off yeah. of our fear. It empowers them. That's right. And That's he, he right. started, he started to abuse me one night. We were actually at my home. My sister was there. Um, some friends were over and he came in and he, he was going to try to harm me. And I wasn't the same person, and I've learned some self-defense. And with one, mm-hmm. with one, the place I hit him, I knocked him cold out in the floor, and he never bothered me again. Um, I, <laughs> right. I, it's the truth. Like I was actually surprised, but, and I think everything that I had built up inside of me that he had done yes. to me, uh, like I had no fear at that moment. Like the fear that I used to have it was gone. And then I just like, okay, you're not doing this to me no more. Cause he had his hands on me. And I did, I, wow. I, I learned to defend myself. I knocked him out cold and all my family was mm-hmm. amazed. And like, they were in shock and they're like, you didn't kill him. Did you? It's like, no. And after that, <laughs> I had no more problems with that man because I, I think some, is that a common thing too, Susan? Like, that fear does fear empower an abuser because I feel like in my own experience that when they see that fear that they feed off of that. And I feel like my abuse got worse the more they seen me frightened or scared of them. Well, yes, because as the goal, most goals, I don't want to say this is the exact scenario for each and every individual abuser, but most of the time their goal is power and control. So if they can get, you in a place where you fear them, then they've, in their mind, they've accomplished their purpose because fear, as we know, can be a very powerful tool and when it's wielded in the wrong hands. And so um, to keep you in fear is, is their objective. So if they can see that you're fearful, then that, that's empowering to them. When you stop 
being fearful or something that we call in my field gray rock, which is just not showing a fearful response, not showing any type of response that would feed anything. So basically, if you look at a gray rock, you're not going to get an emotion out of it. <laughs> and so, um, I like you know, that. I, I are trying. <laughs> Yeah, ahead, yeah, it's really actually true. <laughs> yeah. Um, when somebody's trying to get a rise out of you or get a reaction out of you, whether they're threatening you or humiliating you or trying to, um, you know, uh, verbally abuse you, psychologically manipulate you, if you don't show a reaction and you set a boundary right then and there and walk away, it, it, there's a very high likelihood that the that might just be over. And that, that leads me kind of into boundaries and how important it is to set boundaries, um, you know, with people that I know in your case, you are already involved dating these men, but if you sense like in a newer relationship that, Hey, something just doesn't feel right here, something seems off, you know, God's given us that discernment for a reason. And if you're, you know, starting out in a new relationship, whether it's a friendship or a dating, you know, any type of relationship, and you just have this sense inside that, that this is not um, what it seems, you're usually right. And at that point, it's best to take it to the Lord to see if that relationship should continue and simultaneously to set up really firm boundaries. Because if there's one thing that an abuser hates, it's a boundary because that means they can't get to what they're accessing. So it's just something that I wanted to put in for anybody who might be listening that's at the start of a relationship and is starting to get some senses that, hey, you know, uh, why does this person want me to be isolated? Why am I not allowed to go out with friends? Why am I, you know, being checked up on every hour and a half? Why, you know, these things are signals that there's something not right in the relationship, whether it's psychologically, which can lead to physically. Um, but that is an unhealthy, abusive situation. And so uh, my counsel on that would just kind of listen to what your discernment is telling you and make the boundaries firm and verbalize them. Don't just slam the door in somebody's face. Is that a boundary? Yes, it's a physical boundary. But if you don't say, hey, you know, I want nothing to do with you and, and you need to stay away. And if you don't, I'm going to get a cease and desist order on you. Then they are, they're getting the impression that you mean business. So obviously I'm talking about situations that could become extreme here, but uh, being aware of those first instincts is really key. What are some signs? Because sometimes we can get into a relationship because I've been there myself. What are some things? For us to truly like to be aware of that shows signs of someone that could be a potential abusive person, Susan. Yeah, and I think that's an awesome question. I um, this I might be a little redundant here, but I'm going to go over these because um, I, I could have left a few out. But uh, and we're talking about I assume you're talking about um, emotional or psychological abuse in this situation, or Yes, either or because are you, both. Yes, because both are really bad. A lot of people don't really understand, which I want you to address that as well. Because I've asked most of my questions so far, because a lot of people don't understand what the impact of mental abuse can do to a person, just as well as physical abuse. Yes, it actually, in some ways, I'm not going to say it's it's worse, but you can't, you know, you can't unring the bell after you've called somebody horrific names, traumatized them, 
verbally, um, you know, it's, it's a situation where we've all heard this saying, and I can't stand this saying, and it's sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That is the furthest thing from the truth. Um, actually, it, name calling and demeaning in those ways can be uh, extremely difficult to overcome. Um, so it's, you know, and, and usually it starts out. You know, a person in a relationship doesn't usually start out with hitting or punching or scratching. It usually starts out mental or psychological or emotional. So some of the some of the signals for that you can ask yourself um, if you're being emotionally or psychologically or mentally abused are the following. I just kind of wrote some of these out. Um, does your partner threaten to harm you, your children, your family, and or your pet? Um, and by partner, I'm just talking, this could be a friend, this could be a spouse, this could be somebody you're dating, um, just in the venue of different types of relationships, because this can even happen in friendships. Um, do they tell you you're worthless and no one, no one else will ever love you? Nobody will love you like I will. Nobody else is ever going to want to be around you. So, you know, kind of trying to make the person feel like they don't have any other choices. Um, do they isolate you from your friends and your family? Like I was mentioning, are you allowed to have outside, are you allowed to have relationships that are not linked to um, the abuser? Um, also, do they try to control your behavior and monitor your movements and whereabouts? And this has gotten off the charts ridiculous now with cell phones because just from working with some of my patients, there some phones have, I believe the iPhone has some type of app where you can track the person's whereabouts 24-7 uh, through some type of family sharing mode. I'm not sure what it is, but it's, um, it's gotten really dangerous that way because now, um, you know, if a, if, a, if a victim is trying to get away from an abuser and they've got this, this, a setting on their phone turned on, you know, you have to also kind of take what I call um, social media and technology steps to also set boundaries with people like this. This is not something we would have had to do 25 years ago, but now with technology, um, it's very easy for someone to find um, their abuse victim. Um, also, let's see, um, a lot of times abusers will tell their victims they're crazy, you're crazy, nobody's going to want you because you're crazy, it's all in your head, I haven't done anything, this is all your fault. That's kind of that gaslighting uh, situation that I um, mentioned before, it's an aspect of it. Um, do they demean you in public or in private? Like you said, your dad humiliated you at the, the roller skating or the skating rink. Um, they may also demean you in private. Do they constantly criticize you? Are they always looking for something about you to criticize, but they never have anything to validate? They never have any um, anything positive to say. Um, do they blame you for everything that goes wrong? You mentioned that. Stalking is certainly something that can also be used against the person. Um, and do they threaten to take things away from you? that you value. So I actually wanted to talk through, and I don't know if this would be a a pretty brief time to do it, but the cycle of an abuser and what goes on in their mind um, while they are um, trying to victimize a person in a relationship. Um, So if you like, I could 
kind of talk through this cycle. They all seem to follow kind of a um, a similar pattern. Um, yes, please. Yes, and... please do. Because I feel like that's important because, like, it's really, to me, important for people to have understanding in these things because I I really didn't truly understand. I was so young back then, and the, the cycle I fell into, uh, like, I would have loved to have this kind of information, you know, before me back then. So please, yeah, go ahead, Susan, and just lead how God's leading you and share, because I know God really put some important things on your heart. Well, thank you. Yes, this is one um, that I thought would be important to share because um, the cycle of abuse can be um, repetitive. And like you were saying, you would try to get out of a relationship, but you get sucked back in somehow. So I thought it would be helpful to sort of read what that looks like. And I'm actually just looking for that right now. I know I've got it here. I have a lot of notes out for this. (laughs) So, okay, here it is. Um, So abuser's basic emotional. Um, So no matter what type of abuse they're perpetrating, whether physical, emotional, psychological, uh, mental, spiritual even, which is a whole other animal, this is the typical cycle that an abuser goes through. Um, The actual abuse is only one part of an abuser's behavioral cycle. So typically, and this isn't the case in every situation, but there's some kind of pain in the abuser's life, obviously, and most of the time, to tell you the truth, it's because they were abused themselves and they never processed it and never got over the pain. So they're acting it out again. But um, from there, there's a growing internal tension within the abuser, Um, So let's say you do something accidentally and it hurts him and you didn't mean to do it, didn't know that it was going to hurt him, uh, but for some reason it triggered pain, Um, then the internal tension starts within the abuser. After that, there's the discharge of this tension, which is also called the act of abuse. So the discharge of the tension might be slapping a person, it might be Um, demeaning them, it might be humiliating them, it might be manipulating them or isolating them. That's kind of called the discharge, and that's where you'll see the anger and the rage. Um, And then after that, there's an interesting piece that happens. After that, the abuser themselves feels shame and guilt. Even though they want to put all of it on the victim and say it's your fault and blame you, they actually feel shame and guilt, but because they're so um, unfamiliar with how to cope with that, it immediately gets projected onto the victim. So um, after the abuse cycle is over, something else happens, which is called the honeymoon period. At least that's what it's called in my field. And this is the period of time where the abuser is extremely kind, um, tries to reingratiate himself back into your life, apologizes, might bring you flowers, might it'll never happen again. In some way, shape, or form, they want to make up for that abuse. So they they kind of, um, uh, you know, will do nice things for a season, but they can't continue that because their own pain and their processing of it overrides any lengthy 
period of time where they can keep abuse out of the out of the cycle unless they do get healing um, themselves. Abusers do not reflect upon what they feel. They don't reflect on the type of person that they become typically unless they've been nudged by the Lord or by a friend or by a therapist to start looking at what they're doing and why they're doing it. It's always so important to go to the root. See, that's something right there I went through myself because um, it, it would almost be like they say, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I would right. see, I would go through all the abuse and then you see a, di- a whole different side and you'll think, okay, well, they really realize that they would make me feel guilty or feel sorry for them. And would show me this whole other side, and they'd be like, it's not going to happen again, I promise you. But the thing is, right. until they truly seek help, to be honest, the abuse would continue, but it would get worse each time. And I truly, mm-hmm. I, I truly was in places in my life where I almost lost my life. And one of the things I want to encourage people in is, to know that there is help. There is a way out. Yes. Don't let that right, fear right. take over your life. And that's something from a professional, professional aspect. I wanted to, you know, have Susan share on from a view, her viewpoint, you know, that we can, cause this is about hope and healing from mental and physical abuse. But what is something you would encourage right. a man or a woman that's in that, pattern in that abuse what would be one of the first steps Susan for them to to start to remove themselves from those situations yeah and that's if this was um pre-cell phone days I would have a whole different uh you know protocol um of treatment for this but given that we are in this age, the first thing if a person if a victim really wants to get away from an abuser block them on all their socials, the phone number changed, block their phone number, turn off the location GPS uh, setting on the on your phone. And um, from there, I actually have a, a hotline number that I pulled out because I'm not sure where all of our listeners are from. But um, if you call this um it's a national domestic violence hotline and they understand the full picture. It's not just physical abuse. It's all the other five types. Um, they will give you direction and find you. There are safety shelters. Um, there are safe places, especially if, if uh, you know, that your life is in danger and you're being threatened physically with your very life. There are safety shelters for that. Um, there are also safe havens for people to go to to get treatment, but um, they also give you legal counsel on how to file um, a TRO against the abuser, which stands for a temporary restraining order. I know in my state, Wisconsin, I believe there is a small fee for that, um, but it does increase um, the um, the patrol uh, that you would get from a sheriff's department to check up on you. Um, It's not to say that it stops everything, but if that person is caught coming within a certain distance of your premises, they can be thrown in jail. Um, The other piece that can be done, and I'm not an attorney, so these are things you'd want to check with the appropriate 
professionals on, but there is something called a cease and desist order that can be mailed. It's, I think it can be notarized at a bank and mailed by certified mail, basically stating that if, if this activity continues, that there's going to be further action taken against that person. Um, so those are all steps. But get, the first step is to get away and to cut off any possible means of contact that that person might have through any form of technology. Um, the phone number, if I can just give this out, is um, it is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. It's 1-800-799-SAFE. So it's 799-7233. Um, there's also a website, and it's called domesticshelters.org. So you can type in your zip code. They can tell you where um, you can go and if you have kids and if you need to bring your kids with you. Um, there's actually a lot of this type of thing set up now. Thank goodness, um, you know, ever since intimate partner violence became, uh, hit the radar a little harder, there have been a lot of these type of organizations that have really come up and, and have offered tremendous resources to people themselves in these situations. That's really great to have those kind of uh, tools to work with. And one thing that I, I remember that was teaching me to have a plan. And um, yeah, because there were times that I felt like I had nowhere to go or I kind of considered my mom became my safe person because my mom was there for me so much my whole entire life. And that's why losing her, I think is having even had a, I might get emotional, um, a bigger impact. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, because she was my go-to, yeah. she was my safe haven. Right. And no matter what I was going through, no matter what it was, I could call my mom and she was there and she became, she was the person I could always trust Susan. And when you lose that in your yeah. life, like it impacted me, not just losing my best friend, but She's my go-to person, and I'm not trying to take anything right. away from my husband. I love my husband with everything I am, and uh, we've been together 16 years, and I thank God for him. And God brought us together for a reason because my husband went through different types of different types of abuse as me, but as well, he went through abuse in his own life so we can understand each other, Susan. We helped each other to heal. Right. And, um right. But when I lost my mom, my husband was actually really worried about me. He would even tell me, I'm so scared what's going to happen when you lose your mom, because he knew our bond, our relationship. And there are sometimes like in losing her, just like if I have a flashback or anything, I'm wanting to pick up the phone and call my mom, but I can't. And I, I have to pray. I thank God I have faith. And then I know to pray, but there are times, Susan, it could be overwhelming to me. And I know that's from what I've been through in my life. And I cry out to my, to God, my father, that he lets me know it's going to be okay, but that it's okay because he understands that I've been through these things in my life. Mentally, they're, they are there. And sometimes my memories are suppressed and sometimes like I yes. said, I was like, I guess you call it trigger, Susan. And right, I'll exactly. just, like a, like a fear may overcome me or it actually so happens. And we didn't know that the person lived in the the neighborhood, but someone that abused me very badly in my past actually lives in my husband and I's neighborhood where we 
bought our house. Oh my but God. I have learned, wow. and they were a person that really truly fed off of fear. But you know what? I prayed, and God gave me and my husband, we prayed together, strength. And if that person walks by or if I see them, Susan, I can look them straight in the eyes now with peace and not have fear because I don't want to give that person that empowerment over my life. Those are areas where God's helped me and he's taught me. But that's another thing I want to, you know, um, is that a common thing? Because sometimes I used to want to beat myself up over it because I would think, um, okay, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I I've been healed. I've moved on. I'm doing so much better, but then boom, out of nowhere, there's a flashback or something triggers. Is that a common thing in people that have been through abuse? Absolutely. In fact, I was just going to say this. And by the way, I got a, one of our listeners stated that they're having trouble hearing us. So I don't know um, if there's anything else that is on your end, but just thought I'd bring that up real quick. Um, yes, um, in fact, what you're talking about, Montel, are triggers, and also what you're, I think, insinuating is a form of uh, PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and actually, one in four women that have gone through any type of violence has this. So the fact that you have triggers, it might be something that reminds you, like, uh, it might be a scent. It might be... Um, you know, a, a location and might be a, a gift that someone gives you and immediately your, your constitution, meaning your, your soul, your mind and emotions go right back to that place. That's a trigger. Um, and that happens in, like I said, 25% of, of all women who've experienced um, that type of abuse will have flashbacks to PTSD. What I can tell you in terms of hope and healing, which is the, basically the name of this broadcast, Healing Hope, um, is that when you allow the Lord in, he actually can heal your heart of those triggers. Does it mean that you'll never, ever, 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 ever um, be triggered by anything again? I don't know, but if you do, it's at a much more manageable level, and you know what to say to yourself to remind yourself you know, cognitively, okay, but this is not the same. I'm in this moment now. That moment was 20 years ago. You know, so there's a combination of cognitive behavioral work that's all that I do with patients that are in this boat along with healing prayer um, so that it helps them to be able to overcome post-traumatic stress disorder, which is not a simplistic diagnosis by any means. And see, that makes me feel better within myself because I do have such faith in God. And it's not really anything that I'm dwelling on, but that's what happens. Right. Or I, or there's been times, and, and it would make me feel bad, but I've even explained it to my husband, which he has a better understanding. But I have been through so much abuse in my life that... And I was going to ask you, is this something as well? And I, because I really truly believe other people may go through this, but when my husband's doing something really great for me, maybe he is getting me mm-hmm. like flowers for no reason, or he's just being mm-hmm. extremely nice for a day. The first thing that my mind wants to do, Susan, is think, okay, what's he done wrong or what's he going what he to do? do? Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Is that like, right. I find myself in that place and I apologize to my husband because that's not the case, 
but that's just a part of with right. things that I've been through in my life. That's sure. one of the thoughts that comes to it's I, I sometimes feel like it's a defense mechanism. Like I'm just ready to defend myself yeah. paired. Is that a common thing? Oh yeah. Especially when, you know, and I don't know your healing journey at all. And I won't ask about your healing journey, but um, depending on how deeply you got into the damage, I mean, let's, Let's just cut to the chase. You were traumatized severely by your dad, by these other individuals that felt like they had a right to lay a hand on you or to humiliate you. That is, that's high trauma. So depending on um, the healing that took place, um, it would be very natural, almost like a visceral response to become defensive, um, you know, or to suspect um, an impure motive. But that's what's so great about the Lord is, you know, he tells us not to judge the heart. And also he tells us to renew our minds. And I can't tell you how much it has helped my patients to go over. And I know you have a copy of this Montel. I think you do of the scriptures of who you are in Christ, your identity, because what Satan wanted to do through bringing a string of people in your life to put you down and shame you and make you feel worthless. God has the final word and he's going to say the opposite. And those 200 scriptures that I'm constantly harping on that talk about who you are in the Lord and give uh, the, the scriptural references, when you can begin to really memorize those phrases in your heart, then when the enemy comes along and says, Oh, he didn't mean that, or he's just doing this because he's in the doghouse or you know, all the things that, that will pop up, you can go back and say, no, I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You don't have to accept the lies. So renewing your mind to the truth of God's word is so important when um, going through healing for any type of abuse. Wow, that's powerful. And I, I remember you sharing in previous, uh, previous broadcasts those, and that's really important in our lives. I know there's, we have listeners that aren't saved and they don't have that faith, you know, in their life or they don't have that higher power to go to. And I think that's why so many fall into a place of suicide or severe depression yeah. because I couldn't even begin right. to imagine because I know I can go to the God I serve and I could cry out to him. And one thing I know that helps me is when I see those things trying to creep in, Susan, I start re I start speaking scriptures out because it says, you know, yeah. to speak life. I want to speak life. And I know that's the enemy because the enemy's favorite thing to do is to try and bring our past up against us. But we have to remember right. future in our past. And especially when you become a child of God and he forgives you, I would beat myself so mm -hmm. up so bad for failed marriage and feeling like I did something for the abuse or like I just, I was bound yes. in this thing for so many years, Susan, I was so bound mm -hmm. and I, I knew the Lord at an early age, but I was still a babe in Christ. But when you get to a place right. where you truly have that surrendered trust in God and that relationship where, you know, no matter what you're going through, whether it be you lose your mom, I've lost my best friend right now. Um, my blessed uncle is uh, just put on hospice this week, and that's my mom's brother. And so that's bringing some things up in me because 
a lot of things related to what my mom went through with her battle with cancer. But I, I found myself this past week, um, which you can relate to with to fibromyalgia. We don't claim diseases in our life, but we do go through things in our life and we may not understand them. And I believe there's a season and a healing in our lives. But when you go through these things, I know it triggers my flare ups. And I found myself this past week getting to a place I didn't like who I was or where I was going because the holidays, I miss my mom, my mom so much. And, um, okay. I, I just got your message, Susan. Tell them to go. Um, anybody that's listening, what happened as I was explaining tonight, my original broadcast I had set up for this broadcast tonight. Um, it for somehow I don't know what happened. It was gone when I went tonight, so I had to reset up the program so it gives it a new link. So if they go to your wall, mm-hmm. Susan, just have them click yep. on that and it will bring them back to the new live one because it shows that we're live now. I seen it, so that's what it is. I apologize. Oh, like there were so many technical difficulties kicking off things I don't have control over, but I, I seen that right. and I wanted to let people know that's what it is. It's a new link. So um, if they click on the new one I I'll just shared. I'll also put the phone number on there too, Montel, if that's all right, the guest call-in phone number. Yeah, that's yeah because there are, for our listeners listening online, um, you can listen via the Internet, but you can also call in to listen to 626-696-8607. There are two ways when we're live to listen, and then as well after the broadcast tonight, you can go back and listen on demand through the same link. So mm-hmm. I apologize to everyone, but I didn't want to cancel the program. I didn't want to not have the program. So that's why there's a little bit of change in that tonight. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I've got the phone number up, so we're good. Mm-hmm. So um, anyhow, let me get my, my train of thought back there. I apologize for that. Yeah. But um, just – all the rounds and everything we've been talking about tonight, I just knew I had, I, when I felt myself going to that place, the thing I've learned is when those negative things start to creep in, start pouring in life, start putting in positivity. Don't, don't sit and dwell on those things. That's what I've learned in my own life. Talk right, to a friend, right. reach out to somebody, pray, put on some worship music, um, I, I speak out scripture, you know, I'll say, Father God, in my weakness, yeah. you know, let your strength be perfected. Greater is he that's in me that's in this world. And I will rebuke the enemy's lies. But I know, as I said, and I pray that our listeners come to know the Lord, Susan, but there are people yeah. out there that doesn't have that peace, that doesn't have that hope. And that's for those people, Susan, that hasn't come to receive Jesus as their Savior yet what would be some things that you would you would lead them or tell them to do in those situations? Because I know it can get to a point in abuse, like you can have suicidal thoughts. You can have these feelings of worthlessness because I truly can relate. I have been there. And no matter, mm-hmm. like I said, my mom was my go-to person, but I had to learn. Yeah. I had to heal. But it is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. But I was blessed to have good support in my mother but most of all, you mm-hmm. know, God is my personal savior. But I know there really are people listening that don't have that. So how would you encourage yes, them, yes. Susan, in regards to hope and healing 
and not getting to that point where they are suicidal or, you know, just overtaking their lives. Right. And I think that actually goes right back to a point that I had wanted to make um, based on something you said about 10 minutes ago about having a plan. And I mean, this, of course, is is universally applicable, but um, especially um, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord and you don't know what that can do in terms of um, God's presence and his provision and his intervention to help you stay safe and get you out of these situations, um, I would say go to your best friend, your accountability person, somebody that you trust. And like you were saying, Montel, to make that plan. And I had started talking about um, blocking um, from social media outlets and blocking phone numbers and turning off GPS. But um, beyond that, having a plan that you share with one other person so that they know um, the situation. And then when you can remove yourself from that situation and physically leave that person, which will feel very unnatural and very hard, and that person will probably try to do everything they can to bring you back, um, that you have another person, a good friend that knows what's going on and will um, do whatever he or she can to, um, you know, prevent any type of, um, how can I say this, that will kind of act as a, as a, a buffer, a, a boundary really that, um, you know, that won't give any information as to your whereabouts, um, that a person who is being victimized can call this accountability friend um, and, you know, make sure that they're still safe and get updates and that type of thing. You can't do this alone. It's almost impossible. I read a statistic earlier, trying to get out of an abusive situation by yourself with no help is Uh like 80% less effective than if you have somebody a friend that you can trust and that's going to help to keep you safe. That's going to be kind of the go between and won't let that abuser back near you if they know your whereabouts and so forth. So that's another piece that I think is just really key. And there's something that God just like, just dropped this right in my spirit just now. And I'm always obedient. You know, many times when we think about mental or physical abuse, we usually think about, like um, marriage or, you know, a boyfriend, girlfriend, but there are people mm-hmm. that are physically and mentally abusive, sometimes more so mentally in platonic French, like friendships. And mm-hmm. that's just something God put mm-hmm. in my heart. Like God's like, yeah. well, there's, I don't want just all the focus to be in that aspect. It's kind of like God said, Hey, you know, there's people right now who I feel a witness in my spirit. Susan. There are people right Uh now that have toxic friendships that are sucking the life out of them and they hold on because maybe they've been a part of this person's life for years and they're seeing it, but they're not wanting to believe it because the thought of them not being in their life is hurting them. But we we need to understand those type of relationships can be so toxic in our life. That's so right on. And and it it is, totally from the Lord because um, that also hit me that this is not just about a romantic relationship that involves violence. We need to address the whole spectrum if we're going to hit this issue. And I will be honest and uh, to the extent that it will be helpful to listeners that there have been a couple of toxic friendships where I was 
tremendously used and um, also betrayed. And so um, you don't often see it coming because uh, some people are just, uh, very subtle in the ways that they can manipulate or they might have certain personality disorders that uh, make it easier for them to kind of play you, uh, just to use a colloquial term, or to get what they want from you, but they have really no desire in you as a person or in getting to know you as a person. The relationship can become all about them and you can wind up becoming codependent on them and that's again where I go back to boundaries. Uh, there's a, a series of books. Um, if you're in a toxic friendship or any type of toxic relationship, and they're written by Dr. Cloud and Dr. Townsend. Most most uh, people have heard of of them. They are uh, they have a terrific series on boundaries. They've got um, some variants of that. They've got boundaries in marriage, bound, boundaries with teens, boundaries in friendships, and all different types. And so. If you're a person that doesn't tend to know where you end and somebody else begins, that indicates a boundary problem. If you're willing to bend over backwards for somebody in a toxic friendship um, to, to make their life easier, but yet when you need them, they're nowhere to be found, that's a toxic relationship that, you know, would need some boundaries set up. So you're exactly right. And unfortunately also there can be, you know, elements of this in the church and also um, spiritual abuse, which is probably something we can say for, for another show. Um, well, that would be good, girl. Terms, uh, yeah, I think so, because it's, it's unfortunately more prevalent than, than it, you, know, you would think. But in terms of, um, you know, friendships that you feel like you're always the giver and you're getting nothing, um, that's a big red flag right there. If the person, it kind of puts you up on a pedestal at first and, oh, you're so great, you're this, you're that, it means they're trying to um, ingratiate themselves into your life so that they can take advantage of you and kind of ride on your coattails, if you will. Um, these, I'm just throwing out random scenarios. I'm not saying these things happened to me or, or whether they did or they didn't happen to me. But those are some flags that you can notice about how you're approached. A friendship ordained of God will feel very natural. It won't feel, uh, it's not like you'll never have any problems, but it won't feel like um, you have to perform to keep that friend. It won't feel like you're kind of bound and gagged in terms of what topics you're allowed to bring up with that friend. There'll be a freedom because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, his word says. And so, in, you know, in godly connections with, um, with, you know, same gender friendships, I think um, God really can use those. The enemy will try to divide those, but God can use those. And it's important to recognize those toxic signs up front because it doesn't, uh, it usually pans out in a way that the toxicity just becomes worse. It doesn't just automatically reverse itself and become better. Um, there should be re- reciprocity in a friendship, which is a give and take situation, not one person doing all the giving and the other one doing all the taking. I've been in those kind of situations in my own life, and <clears throat> I actually got to the point it physically made me sick, Susan. And my husband and I would see, like, like the best way I could, my husband and I would say it, that what we thought was a blessing was starting to feel more like a curse. 
um, like <laughs> the type of yeah. people that they'll do something for you. They'll, they'll say this is a blessing to your ministry or this is a blessing in your life. But in the next breath, they throw up to you what they've done. Well, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't have this, or I did this for you. They made us feel obligated to them right. for doing the thing they planted into our life. And I felt instead of like more than them planting the seed, they they were putting weeds in our life. And my <laughs> my husband, I'm just keeping it real, okay? That's me, and no. that's what I want to do. <laughs> But it, it became to the point it was making me me sick, my husband sick. It was putting stress in my marriage. And my husband mm. and I really had to work hard to get this person out of our life. And they started pulling on my family. And, well, some of my family is still involved with them. But I have, God is just like, remove yourself from that situation. Stay out of that situation. Mm. God put them in my life for yeah. a reason, a season. God used them. Mm-hmm. The plan mm-hmm. was unfolded. God, it, it came pat to pass. But my husband right. and I absolutely, positively refused to get drawn back into that. Sometimes we can forgive people and we can love people. But if they're truly toxic in our life and they have not got healed from the type of abuse, like mental abuse is different than physical abuse and that is one of the things I have found through mental abuse. People like to try to empower themselves for things they do for you. Or to me, a true friend, it's just like you. You've blessed me in the radio ministry. Yeah. You've been very, you've Thank been you. very loving because you've been faithful and, and believed in it. But you don't constantly say, "Hey, Montel, you need to do this because well, I've planted <laughs> into your radio." I'm keep. That's what right. I was dealing with, like, um, which my husband and I did a lot for this person. But that's a type of mental abuse to me because he, this person, constantly made me feel I was obligated. Um, even in seeing my son right now, our baby boy, with all this COVID that's going on, I truly mm-hmm. believe in the blood protection of Jesus Christ. But I also believe that God expects us to have wisdom. If you know there's a high number and outbreak of COVID and people have been exposed to it, there is no way I'm going to take my sweet baby boy that is nine months old into an environment where he could be exposed to COVID. To me, that would be foolish on my part and I could Mm -hmm. be endangered in my child. But this person kept calling and calling, trying to get me feeling like I should Mm -hmm. go to be a part of a special Thanksgiving dinner they had. And I absolutely am proud of myself, and I'm just saying this. God gave me the strength. I said no. My husband said no, and we stood <laughs> upon it, Susan. We stood upon it because that's, in the that's past. That's a good boundary, good boundary. Well, sometimes it's okay to say no, brothers and sisters. Like, it truly yes, is because, because I'd like to go sometimes and have a topic about that I don't want to take away. But, we're, but it was mental abuse, and I wasn't even realizing mm-hmm. it, but <clears> – <throat> I was still entrapped, and like I told my husband, it's like, okay, God blesses us, and we were blessed from this person from blessings that they had received, but all it has been done is constantly thrown up in our face, and I don't want that kind of person in my life. If I'm going to bless somebody, I'm not going to go around ringing my bell all the time and having to let the world know about it, because God likes what we do in the silence better, Susan. He respects that. And that's just, that's, right. that's something yeah. I've come across in my own life that was mental abuse. It was physically and mentally making me sick. And I had 
like I'm stronger now and I could see it. Like my husband even said the conflict it brought into our life. And I know we're, uh, we have a little bit of time left, but one of the things I, I wanted you, I know you touched on it some, what is the difference in regards to mental abuse in regards to physical abuse? Because sometimes people only get mentally abused, but they don't have the physical abuse. Sometimes it's both. They go, I know hands in hand, but some people truly don't mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. what mental abuse is. I know most people know physical abuse, but what is truly considered mental abuse? Yeah, so mental <clears throat> mental abuse would encompass, you know, because if we we think about what mental uh, you know, the category um, entails that it would encompass, you know, psychological abuse, like we talked about those different things, uh, the humiliation, the controlling your behavior, the isolating, the blame, all of those things fall under mental abuse. Mental abuse is, is demeaning a person. It can be name calling. It can be uh, swearing at them now and please don't get I don't want uh, I want to be careful about how we're defining abuse here I'm not saying if you swear at somebody that you're mentally abusing them that's not what I mean but I'm talking about if you're just receiving a tirade of of curse words um, and just being demeaned it's that sense of being devalued that you have no value and it's usually expressed verbally right so mental abuse has to be expressed the way mental abuse is usually expressed is verbally that also involves the psychological piece. They're kind of interchangeable. Mental, psychological abuse kind of are, you know, almost one in the same. Um, and typically if the person is nonviolent, that will be expressed verbally or maybe you receive a letter in the mail that uh, is <laughs> considered abusive. That certainly can happen. Um, but the physical abuse is usually at the top tier if we're if we're talking about layers and levels of abuse, so ultimately, if it starts out as mental and and uh, you know emotional abuse too, by the way, they're all kind of interchangeable. Psychological abuse. Um, if it starts out with that, there's a pretty good chance that if you stick with that relationship, at some point, it's going to turn physical, and that's why I make such a big deal of giving people you know warning signs and red flags for. Um, what to look for for the mental, emotional, psychological piece before it turns into a life-threatening physical element too. And it's just so important to be aware and discerning. And especially now with just the volatility and the uncertainty in our world and people are flying off the handle for for, for all sorts of different things, the, the rate of domestic violence or what I call intimate partner violence is just off the charts in my field. Um, I've had to intervene or had intervention sent, I should say, to a couple of different patient households where there had been a breakout in, um, in uh, physical violence. Um, one thing that I wanted to also state that you hit on before real quick, Montel, and I know we're running short, but this will take me 30 seconds. You mentioned um, this individual in your life that was hurtful to you, and um, you, you said that you forgave her, um, but you and your husband both agreed you don't want to go back into a relationship. I want to just be really clear that forgiveness does not necessitate re- reconciliation unless God directs both parties. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of Christians are under this impression that, hey, if I forgive, then we need to start right back up with our friendship 
even though it was toxic and unhealthy. And that is not what that means. God very well may be pulling you out of um, of a relationship and you might feel rejection, but that's God's protection. And so you have to be discerning as to what he's doing in the midst of it. And so again, forgiveness does not necessitate reconciliation unless both parties want that and unless God uh, leads in that direction. Well, that's good, girl. Thanks for sharing that because I needed to hear that because the type of heart that I have and I'm a loving person. But God has given me more of a boldness and I stand up for myself more. But I do want us to take um, a quick break. I want to share. It's actually a song off my cover CD. And I usually get emotional on this song, Heal the Wound. And then when we come back, Susan, I want to pretty much give it over to you and then we'll close in prayer. But I want for you to just ask God to lead you with our listeners to the part now where the hope and the healing comes from and help them to get started into that path for healing in their life. So we're going to take a break here um, on Reaching Out Radio International. I love my friend Susan. She's my sister in Christ, and uh, I love working with her. And I do I Likewise. do have a boldness. I do have a boldness. and. Like, if God tells me not to share something, I won't. But tonight, God's like, keep it real. Show them truth. Because you know what? I'm a child of God, but we all have past. We all have wounds. Praise God, I've been healed, delivered, and set free. But we all have a story, brothers and sisters. And I truly believe sharing our stories can encourage others. And I want people to know how God sees you through his eyes. And not so much be blinded mm-hmm. by the eyes of the pain you've been through or the embarrassment. But I want you to have that freedom that I have now. And so I'm going to share this song and we're going to come back. And I just want Susan to let go and let God lead her because she has such a gift in it. And that's what God is leading me. And so I'm going to be obedient. But I'm going to share. This is one of the, my mom loved to hear me to sing this song. And it's a song God led me in tonight. It's called Heal the Wound. Okay.
was beautiful, Montel. Thank you. I glorify God in that, and that's something he's been impressing on my heart is to, um, I need to start working some more on worshiping again and using those talents. So, but, mm-hmm. and I know you can hear the emotion in that song because, and I'm not ashamed, mm-hmm. like the tears that you hear right now are of gratitude and love to my heavenly father, because I was broken. I was in pieces, but when, wow. whenever I gave it all to him, he did this beautiful thing in my life and he made mm-hmm. me a warrior through it all, Susan. I've learned to be a warrior mm-hmm. and I've learned to fight on my knees because when I pray and I trust in God, I know I don't have to fight my battles on my own. I'm not alone anymore because God's with me. Yeah. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. And that's the one thing I want to encourage all our listeners in no matter what you're going through, because I have been through things myself. And I know Susan goes through things just in her own profession. What uh, We need to lift her constantly and pray for her because, you know, her life can be endangered in what she does. But the most important mm-hmm. thing is Thank to you. know that God loves you. He He loves mm-hmm. us even in our sin so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. And when you mm-hmm. get that hope in your life, for me, that's where the healing began, knowing no matter what shame I had, no matter how many bad choices I made, that God said, my child, give it to me. And I will set you free. And that's what I had to do. And that, that means you say, here, God, just just do a new work in me. And you let it go. Don't keep picking it back up. And don't let the enemy keep right. bringing it up. That, that's just from my heart where my healing began. Mm-hmm. And I know that's where the answer is. It is found in God. But there's nothing wrong for, with seeking out help to speak to someone professionally because I know it made a difference in my life and it opened my eyes. I don't want ha- people having shame or saying, well, if you're talking to a psychologist, doesn't that show that you're like turned to someone else instead of seeking God? No, because God gives, especially Susan, she's a woman of God, a Christian psychotherapist. Never have shame in seeking help, brothers and sisters. It doesn't mean you're weak. It yeah. doesn't mean that you don't trust God, but God God gave us doctors for a reason and God give us psychologists for a reason. And we need help many times to get through things from, you know, a medical perspective, but that's just in my part of closing, what I want to share with my brothers and sisters, you know, God loves you and you're not alone. And then I just, you know, Susan, from there, I want you to, you know, just to share whatever God's placed on your heart or closing points and, uh, I, I'm so blessed to work with sure. you, Susan. I consider it an oh, honor likewise. to have you. I don't even really know if you truly understand, but I have a friend that suffers. I'm going to make this quick, but I just want you to understand the importance of your broadcast. I have a friend that can't always really truly afford to go to a therapist, and she battles suicidal tendencies. She battles depression. Um She's had really bad experiences in that, but she's been able to go and listen to your broadcast and they've helped her to heal. They've helped to bring her to places. There's a lot of people that are doing that and you're offering that to people from your heart. But I just really want you to understand how God uses you in that aspect and the radio, because I'm so humble in what God does. I never Mm -hmm. met Susan in my life, brothers and sisters, but we're kindred (laughs) spirits, and I hope to hug her one day. But God brought us together. 
he had a plan mm-hmm. and there's so many different beautiful broadcasts but I just wanted to encourage you that people listen to your broadcast and you you are being a Thank blessing you. to so many because you're not trying to say hey you know uh here's my cash app no I'm just keeping it real you know you're <laughs> <laughs> I know like, god forbid <laughs> I'm sorry but that's the truth in our society nowadays I'll give you a prophetic <laughs> word or I'll speak to you but you're just lonely from your heart doing the broadcast. That's me. Okay. I to. I that stuff offends me so much, Susan. It really does. Like planting the seed of God leads you. That's different. But so many are trying to get money for their work from God in the wrong way. So I, yeah, I just, no, that is for this thing from my heart. I appreciate what you said. You encouraged me so much. And I also feel so honored that the Lord connected us, Montalan. Um, Like you said, there's a kindred spirit that we share, and it's just been such a blessing on so many levels, and um, you just have such a beautiful heart, and so I thank you for giving me these opportunities. Well, it's a blessing, and I thank you for being an encouragement because being, here I am at 50, and God had a plan. You know our sweet baby Noah. You're familiar with him. I was to the grandma place, and I wasn't anticipating this, but this sweet little boy was going to be aborted. God called my husband and I to be his parents. And I had to find a new balance um, to do the radio mm-hmm. and like all the things we went through. I was going to like, sometimes I felt like I needed to quit because I couldn't find the balance and the enemy would try to get me to, but praise God. I, I took it before God. I prayed, you prayed for me and I know I'm to do the radio and we're going to some new platforms. Mm-hmm. I'm in the process of transitioning that. But I, I just thank you for all your hard work. But um, I want to, like I said, give it to you now. I know you have a lot of knowledge okay. in these things. And I know we're t- I just want to encourage people on how they can to find hope and healing and depth are to go ahead and right. to get to that place. Yes. As I was listening to that beautiful song, I the Lord just led me to a couple of things, actually. Not, nothing too lengthy. Um, but he led me to some verses on comfort, and I think as we've talked, um, he does bind up the brokenhearted, and I think sometimes we have to, in order to get to um, healing hope with situations that are are, are the, uh, this level of um, trauma and um, emotional impact, emotional ramification, is like you said, first of all, give him all of the pieces um, of what you have suffered, and that may or may not take someone to help you with that, but also to to go through a period of grieving. And what I mean by that is relationships, there's hope, there's expectations at the beginning of a relationship. Certainly a relationship becoming abusive is the furthest thing from someone's mind when they enter into it, whether it's a toxic friendship, whether it's a physically abusive boyfriend, you know, whatever shape and form that takes, um, there also needs to be a grieving period, which actually does help you move on because it says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he comforts those who grieve. And so I think there has to be a period where you say, okay, this relationship has harmed me. It's been horrible, but I am letting this person go. I'm giving so-and-so over to God. And just kind of grieving what you hoped it was but wasn't so that you don't continue to look for that subconsciously and try to remake 
that situation. So like in your case, Montel, you know, grieving the relationship that you had wanted from your dad and because it wasn't what you as a little girl or as a teen needed or wanted, it was actually harmful and invasive and violating to you that there might be um, a, some value in grieving that. I'm just throwing that out because the Holy Spirit put that on my heart. Um, the verses that he gave me to share, and then I'll end in prayer on, on one final point, is um, he gave me some verses on comfort. And um, one of them is Psalm 1017, Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Surely you will hear their cries and comfort them. And I think that just kind of sums up what we are hoping for tonight as we bring avenues of um, validation and affirmation and healing to the people listening. Um, another one, Psalm 23:4. your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God has so much to say about comfort in his word. Um, in Isaiah uh, 57, 15, I will lead them. I will comfort those who mourn. So if you're mourning and you're hurting and people who have been abused certainly are, know that you've got that comforter with you, whether you've called on him to be your Savior and Lord, he wants to be that. And sometimes it takes a really dark situation, a really painful situation for us to really bow the knee to, to God and say, Lord, I, I can't get out of this without you. I need your help. And if that's for somebody tonight, then then praise God. I'll just read a couple more of these. Um, Isaiah 66, 13, as a mother comforts her son, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted. Um, and then um, Jeremiah 33, 31:13 this is familiar to some I will turn your mourning into dancing I will give you comfort and joy instead of sorrow and then finally 2 Corinthians 1:3 praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort so just to focus in on the riches and the uh, presence and the great love of God is a great start to the journey in addition to of healing, in addition to everything else that we've shared over these past couple of hours. But know that you will come through on the other side. The Lord did not, he's not going to leave you in the middle of this lake to drown. He's going to bring you safely to the other side. You will cross over. You will cross over. He will provide. He will intervene. People will be sent to help you. There's so many people willing to help, even just the, the phone numbers and websites I gave out earlier. Um, you can always call myself, uh, whatever you need in your situation. I know that the Lord keeps a special eye on those that are being mistreated because his word has so much to say about relationships and how we are to treat people relation, relationally. If you look at the love chapter in Corinthians, it talks so much about love, what love is and what love isn't. And so that tells us that God puts a very high priority on how he views relationships, not only our relationships with each other, but our relationship first and foremost, and he does not want to see one of his own mistreated. He doesn't want to see anyone mistreated. It grieves his heart that any of his creation is even mistreated. And so he um, is walking this path with you. And I just had a, um, a vision that I sometimes will 
um, or a picture in my mind that sometimes will come before me in moments like this. And um, Montel, you mentioned shame, and, and that really is the core underpinning. It is the undercurrent for all of this, for the abuse victims, is the amount of shame they feel because they don't know what to do with all of that negativity and all of the things they've been called and the ways they've been ashamed and the ways they've been humiliated. You know, I've said on the broadcast before that guilt says I did something wrong, that shame says I am wrong. So when you're looking at shame, you get this message that I am flawed in some way. I'm defective in some way. There's something wrong with me. And that's exactly what an abuser would want a victim to believe. What's wrong with you? Um, you know, you have this flaw. You, I, I'm going to criticize this part of you. Um, why can't you do anything right? You're worthless. You're good for nothing. All this shame that is heaped on people and they don't know how to get out of it. It just breaks my heart. So the Lord just showed me that picture from, from scripture again, where he desires to take off and to remove York of shame. Those listeners that are, are feeling like they're wearing or carrying shame and he wants to replace it with his robe of righteousness, which is scriptural. He wants you to wear his robe of righteousness. As a child who's accepted Christ, you are able to put on the robe of righteousness. That is your true identity. And I think as a pathway out, as you begin to look at who you are in Christ, your confidence in him will build. And you will have that ability to move out of the toxic and abusive relationships and get healed and set free. And so if it's okay, Montel, on that note, would it be all right with you if I, if I close this in prayer? Montel, if you're there, um, I would like to close this in prayer. If you aren't hearing this, I will just go ahead and do so, as I can no longer hear you. So, Lord God, we just thank you for this opportunity on this broadcast tonight. I pray for each one listening, Lord. I pray, God, that if they have carried shame, I pray that if they are wearing this cloak of shame, Lord, that you would remove it, Lord, that they would sense a, a lifting, Lord God, and and in its place, would you place the, the, the robe of righteousness on them, Lord God. Help them to know that shame never comes from you. Condemnation never comes from you. I pray, Lord God, that they would know in the, the deepest parts of their heart that they would be able to turn to you, and as they know who you are and who they are in you, that you will provide what they need all the way from the logistics to the the journey of healing to um, recovery from PTSD, everything that that you hold out to them for healing and for hope and being the lifter of their head. I just pray right now, Lord God, that um, they would have confidence and trust in you for that, Lord. And I ask that you bless each one minister to the individual needs that they have in their heart. And we just ask all these things in your glorious and holy name. Amen. God bless you and bless the remainder of your evening and have a happy Thanksgiving. God bless.